On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, Rob Tebbett joins the show as we take a look back at Javante Davis's six-round knockout of Roly Romero, take a look ahead at what's realistic for Tank Davis. We also break down the George Cambosos devin Haney fight, the Stephen Fulton versus Danny Roman fight, and Anthony Joshua has a new trainer. Will it make a difference? All that and more coming up next. What is up, my friends? Welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live, presented by John Boyd Media. I am your host, Dan Canobio. A fun one planned for you today as Rob Tebbett joins the show, longtime boxing journalist, uh, pound for pound, one of the best boxing follows uh, on Twitter uh, for a fun interview where we're going to break down what we saw this past weekend, Javante Davis. Uh, we're going to talk about the upcoming weekend. Uh, it's a huge weekend. It's a huge stretch uh, for boxing, we're going to see Devin Haney and George Cambosos finally tangle. Finally, we get an answer to this undisputed situation at lightweight. Whether uh, it was going back to Tiafimo and, and Lomachenko and the franchise belt, uh, whether Lomachenko was going to hop in and take this fight uh, instead of Devin Haney, that is all gone now. And we're getting closer and closer uh, to a mega fight on regular ESPN, not a pay-per-view. Uh, we're going to see... Devin Haney, George Camposo, settle this at lightweight. Some fun scenes coming out of Australia. It seems like uh, George Camposo is trying his hardest to get under the skin uh, of Devin Haney. He's, you know, some funny, funny scenes, whether it's Haney calling out Cambosos for being rehearsed, whether it's Cambosos calling Devin Haney a rat and an informant, because apparently during the lead-up, to the Cambosos-Tiafimo fight. Haney was DMing uh, Cambosos, giving him information on Tiafimo Lopez. But then when George Cambosos goes and tells everyone that, wouldn't that make him a snitch by default? So a lot of that's going on in the tactical warfare, mental warfare. That's what George Cambosos does. But I think it's going to be a really good fight. Um, I'll have my picks uh, coming up in a little bit. Uh, but that is the biggest fight of the weekend. Over on Showtime, we're going to see Stephen Fulton, a uh, fast-rising uh, fighter at 122 pounds, one of the best divisions uh, in, in boxing. He's taking on Danny Roman. Danny Roman, former unified champion, lost a you know, razor-thin decision uh, to MK Akhmedaliyev a few years back, but he's got himself back in title contention. Could be last stand uh, f for Danny Roman, but Fulton is a, is a stud. Uh, a guy that, you know, wanted did it the hard way, you know, beating Angelo Leo a few years back, you know, changing up his entire offensive game plan. Talk about this with Rob. Uh, you know, Fulton was a guy that was throwing about 50 punches around, you know, modest pace for that for that weight class. But uh, over his last two fights, you know, he's a guy averaging over 100 punches uh, thrown per round. So those are the big fights this weekend. Uh, Cambosos, Haney, Fulton, Roman. We just saw some huge ones, a uh, huge fight this past weekend. Uh, whoever you look at it, Tank Davis is a star, and we'll talk about that and more uh, with Robbie Tebbett. Some news and notes. Uh, big headline that just came through uh, is Robert Garcia is going to be training Anthony Joshua for the rematch with Alexander Usyk. That rematch being pushed back. Wouldn't be an Anthony Joshua fight if it hadn't didn't have some delays, if it didn't have some site fee headlines. It's apparently going to be in Saudi Arabia. I don't think fans uh, care too much about that type of stuff. They just want to see this rematch. They want to see more movement uh, in the heavyweight division. But Robert Garcia was a name uh, that we did not see coming, at least I didn't see coming, in terms of being Anthony Joshua's uh, trainer. You know, uh, we made, there was names being thrown around. Maybe a Joe Goosen, uh, maybe an Eddie Reynoso. I know that Anthony Joshua went on this U.S. tour of, of going to different gyms. Ultimately settles on Robert Garcia. I don't remember Robert Garcia ever training a heavyweight, uh, but it's going to be tough. You know, with eight weeks to go or nine, whatever it is, to go until that fight in, in late August, getting Anthony Joshua to become less of a jab first fighter. Anthony Joshua close to 70% was throwing punches or jabs, maybe blending that offense, maybe getting back uh, to fighting on the inside. That's something Garcia teaches a lot of his fighters is aggressive fighting in the clinch. That's something that Joshua needed uh, in that first fight with Usyk. Uh, a little more of, I thought that he when he went to the body, uh, he had success, Joshua. So he can go to the body more in this one. Is it enough time to gel with a new trainer? Uh, that remains to be seen. But that rematch is moving forward uh, for late 
summer. Ryan Garcia is back in the news, as always, facing Javier Fortuna July 16th at Crypto.com Arena, formerly uh, Staples Center. It's always going to be the Staples Center to me. But Ryan Garcia uh, back in the ring. And, you know, is this fight great? No. Is this fight terrible? No. Is it somewhere in the middle? Yes. But the most important thing for Ryan Garcia is getting back into a regular training and fight schedule. Guy missed a lot of time. Lost all momentum after that knockout over Luke Campbell. And he got back into the ring against Togo. Went 12 rounds for the first time in his career. Knocked him down. Uh, fought a guy that did not want to engage. I expect this to be a little bit of a step up from the Togo fight. Javier Fortuna, let's not forget, was the fight that Ryan was supposed to have last spring. Uh, and then he pulled out with the mental health issues. But this fight lost its luster a little bit because Fortuna lost to Jojo Diaz. But I expect Ryan Garcia uh, to beat Javier Fortuna. Then I expect him to fight Jojo Diaz sometime in December. Do I think he's going to get tank in December? No, there's a big push right now for that tank fight. Uh, talk about that in depth with uh, Rob Tebbit. But uh, if Ryan Garcia can fight three times in 2022, if he can get a to-go win, a Fortuna win, and a Jojo Diaz win, that's momentum. That's good. Getting this guy in the ring is good. So we'll see what happens on July 16th in L.A. I'm trying to make it out uh, to that fight. WBO orders Jamel Charlo and Tim Zhu for a fight at 154 pounds. I like this fight. I think that Jamal Charlo should take this fight. Uh, I think if you take a look around at the picture at 160, uh, it's pretty barren right now. You got Golovkin moving up to fight Canelo. You got Demetrius Andrade uh, in limbo. Is he going to stay at 160 and fight Janabek, or he's going to give up his belt? Uh, he was talking about going up to 168. Uh, he's got his brother, Jamal Charlo, at, at 160. They're not going to fight each other. Of course not. Uh, so there could be some vacancies at 160. Maybe uh, Jamal Charlo can jump in there and fight uh, for a vacant belt. But he's 31, 32 years old. You know, if he wants to keep this train rolling, he has a potential to clear out, completely clear out the 154 division, by beating Tim Zhu and Sebastian Fundora. I think they're winnable fights for Charlo. Uh, I think the Zhu fight is a very winnable fight uh, for Jamel Charlo. Zhu, uh, as we saw, went down uh, in his last fight, and it was not against uh, a puncher in Terrell Gaucher. Uh, I, I, like, I could see Charlo winning via knockout over Tim Zhu. Fundora fight, a little more tricky, but another one where Charlo's experience, uh, his ring IQ, his power, his timing... Uh, he has a chance to be really special, cement, really cement his legacy as if, uh, you know, he doesn't exactly have to do that at 154 because he already has as the undisputed champ. But if he went on there and beat Zoo and Fondora coming off of the run he's had at 154, that would be interesting. But the WBO has ordered that. So either Charlo takes that fight with Zoo or he vacates at 154, goes up to 160 and tries to rule uh, there too. That would be an interesting fight too. Another thing to keep in mind too with Charlo, if he takes this Zoo fight, uh, you have a fight with Terrence Crawford. I mean, we're looking really far ahead. Terrence Crawford, first, the fight between him and Spence has to be made. He Then he has to win that fight. Uh, but that's something that maybe Charlo is in the, in the back of his mind, a fight uh, with Crawford, but goes more to my point of Charlo taking big fights. And the biggest fights for him remain at 154. Speaking of Spence and Crawford, that is close to done, according to some reports. Uh, they're just working on a date. There is a... Uh, argument on the Twitter sphere right now raging on what is the bigger pay-per-view, whether it's Canelo, Triple G, or is it Spence and Crawford? I don't understand why uh, we have to debate these things. I understand that the nature of boxing is debates, is subjectivity, but Canelo's not moving off of that September 17th fight with Golovkin. It's already set. So now Showtime, uh, if you watched last week's episode or listened to last week's episode, you saw Steven Espinosa on and it's going to be a Showtime fight. It's coming up with a date. Do they do it uh, sometime in October? Do they do it sometime in November? That is my guess for, for Spence and Crawford. Apparently, all the paperwork is done. Uh, you know, all the, de the deal is done. But we're just trying to find a date for that. But that's music uh, to boxing fans' ears. All right. Let's get to our DraftKings gambling segment here on the show. Uh, of course, we have partnered with DraftKings, and MLB season is in full full swing. Official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team and win and get $150 in free bets no matter win 
or lose. I'm a big Yankee fan. Here in New York, the Yankees are playing well. The Mets are playing well. Baseball is in full swing when the Stanley Cup Finals end, when the NBA Finals end. It's going to be all things go. All things go. Is that even a thing? I don't think so. For Major League Baseball, if you're looking to make a small bet, and turn it into a big payday this MLB offseason. DraftKings, same game, same game parlays. You can do just that. I have my own same game parlay on the app. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets. Uh, like which team will win? How many bases will be stolen? Total runs and more for your shot at a bigger payout. Parlays are fun. Gambling is fun. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOMBOY. Bet just $5 and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens on the field. That's promo code JOMBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, so I'm going to get our picks this week. Same game parlay brought to you by DraftKings. I've partnered with DraftKings. You're going to see this on the app on Saturday. And uh, first off, let's get this one out of the way. I got Kenichi Ogawa. Uh, he is a plus 140 underdog against Joe Cardina uh, this weekend over on the zone. This is for the IBF junior lightweight title that belongs to Ogawa. Uh, Cardina, highly skilled Welsh boxer. This is going to be a banger. This is over on the zone. This weekend is going to be awesome. But I'm going to go with Ogawa uh, to get this get the job done and win. Uh, he's a plus 140 underdog, so you get some value there. Now to the main event of the weekend, George Cambosos and Devin Haney. I'm taking George Cambosos, plus 140, uh, underdog in his own uh, home country and his own home arena. You know, uh, the fa- I think he gets it done. Uh, I think he, he, he is going in with an advantage of the fight being in Australia. On top of that, I just think he has a little more offensively down the stretch to take over uh, the fight against Devin Haney. Like, I think Haney's going to come out with a good jab, good defense in the first, you know, four or five rounds. What's going to happen in the second half of the fight? Can Devin Haney win rounds demonstratively? Can he win rounds clearly? Not known as an offensive dynamo. Doesn't do one thing great. Does a lot of things good, Devin Haney, in my opinion. Cambosos has that firepower. will have that edge with the Australia behind him. Very accurate puncher, more active puncher. 61 punches thrown per round. With that, if you want some value, home cooking maybe, I'm going George Cambosos plus 140. So I got Cambosos and I got Ogawa this weekend as my same game parlay. You can check it out over at DraftKings Sportsbook uh, on the app. And there it is, my picks for this week. Let's bring in Joe's McFly, our resident Joe's Goes. You probably know him from Twitch. You probably know him from Yankee Twitter. You probably know him from Rangers Twitter. <laughs> and now you're getting to know him from Boxing Twitter. Joe's, welcome to Inside Boxing Live. It is an honor. Thank you for having me. <laughs> a box aficionado myself. The reason Joe's is here is because um, Showtime sent Joe's uh, to the Javante Davis, Roley Romero fight this past Saturday night. Uh, I want to ask you some questions about it. How would you uh, describe yourself as a boxing fan? Casual boxing fan, uh, hardcore boxing fan, somewhere in the middle? I guess you could say casual boxing fan. So I'll, you know, I'll watch some of the the bigger fights and, like, I don't know every undercard and stuff like that. So so some of the bigger fights I'll. But you you knew who Tank Davis was heading into this fight. Yes. From, From where? Yes, from you actually. Uh, <laughs> speaking to you, and uh, you get—I got most of my information from you, really. So. That's a lot of people in the building. But we had Ryan Garcia. I saw you got a picture with Ryan Garcia. Yes. Did you say, "Hey, I'm from John Boy"? You know, Dan. I hope so. Actually, I met his because he was actually talking to Stephen Jackson first. Oh yeah, yeah. All we, the smoke. we were in the. He got me in the VIP. That's right. He got me in the VIP. So we were we were in there just kind of like talking and stuff. And then I seen um, he was actually talking to Stephen Jackson, the ex basketball player, mm-hmm. has podcast with Matt Barnes, and he was um, so I couldn't really get his attention at first, but his dad, yeah, his dad. came around mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, you know, and I told him he's like, oh yeah, I remember, okay, so then he brought you know, so then he's like, oh tap him right here, whatever he's, and then I told him, and he. Uh, he was pretty cool about it. Yeah, Brian Garcia right, is the man. He was here at the John Boy offices. Like, those are the two guys that... He got booed at the Barclays. Yeah, because that's a pro Tank Davis crowd. Yeah. 
you know, Tank Davis fans don't like Ryan Garcia fans. Right. Ryan Garcia fans don't like Tank Davis fans. That's why they need to fight next. Yeah. That's the next fight, I think. We'll talk about that I'd on love the to show. See that. love that's to a, see that's that. a fight that's a can't-miss fight. That's a fight that everyone in this office, and they are not boxing fans in, at this office, know who Ryan Garcia is, know who Javante Davis is. But I went, uh, we talk about that plenty in, in this episode with, with uh, Rob Tebbett, but. I want to talk about your experience. So you got the full VIP treatment from Showtime. There was yes. a pre-fight party. Uh, then you went to your seats. Tell us about the pre-fight party. What was the scene like in there? I know there are a lot of fans listening to this and watching this that want to go to the, to these parties. So yes. please tell us. So it was uh, at first, you know, I got I, I was a little worried because I'm like, oh, should I get there? I want to get there earlier. Uh, we got there a little later than what I wanted to, but there was, you know, there still it still was kind of empty. Yeah, the undercard was putrid. Right, bad, bad undercard for this one. Right, so th- there wasn't anybody, anybody really there, and I was like, okay, well, whatever. And then people started coming in, mm. you know, and then it's like, where was it? Inside the Barclays, right? Inside the Barclays, you know, at the, it's like at the floor level before you walk to the floor. Okay. Um, then I seen, I mean, I seen some other people as well. I seen, uh, um, uh. Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia. And yeah. his dad. I seen him, and I took a picture with him, and he was dope. And I'm like, oh, shit, let's yeah. go Swift. Uh, so I'll see him there, and, you know, we're wondering when his Cat next Williams? fight is. I'm see burying Cat the Cat Williams, yes. Cat, that was like, for me, it was like, oh, man, I met one of the kings of comedy. Madonna was there. Did you meet Madonna? I seen Madonna because I actually, <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I had walked toward, toward the floor, um, and then I seen her coming out. And I said, "Oh, hey, Madonna!" And Queen, she, she kind of like waved. Wow! So she was like, Madonna. and then she just kept it moving. But, but you know, it's Madonna. Okay, so once you got in the fight, I mean, were you impressed with the fact that first of all, all these all these uh, athletes are turning up, uh, all these rappers are turning up, or oh, Madonna's turning up? That's the fight. That's the type of crowd, or that's the type of attraction that Tank Davis has become. And then yes. the highest grossing fight in the history of Barclays Center. They Keep in mind, they put on 40 events in their 10-year history. I was at the first one. This one blew them all away in terms of how much this fight generated. Uh, you know, sellout over, I think it's $5.5 million in, in live gate. Mm-hmm. The fight as it's itself kind of played out a little slow. I know you have your videos on Twitter. Go check them out. Yes. You know, but tell us how, from your vantage point, what you saw in the fight and what it was like when that knockout came in, in the arena. Well, and, you know, and I know you probably... When I first got into my seats, it was like at the La- you know, Lara fight. Yep, yep. And I was watching that, and I you know, I got to my seats. I'm like, okay, this is a cool view, and it's probably the closest that I've sat at a boxing event. And I was um, – and then they started – you know, they were coming out. We actually sat where – uh, where where the boxers actually walk oh, out the, where they make the ring walk. I it love was that. right there. Those are good seats. So 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 pretty cool seats. We seen you know we seen him coming in. Roly came in and he was just like, yeah, I'm ready. You know, like I'm like okay, I guess. Um, and at first it was just it was it felt like uh, it was a pro tank crowd, mm-hmm. but if it, it did feel like people wanted to see Roly kind of pull something off. Um, and at first in the beginning, it felt like they were feeling each other out. They were. And it felt like, um, it felt like Roley was winning a lot of the, ra- I mean, I, I don't know how you had He it. was winning the rounds because Tank wasn't letting his hands go. So right. Roley might've been doing just a little bit more. Maybe Roley won two, maybe three of the first, uh, five rounds before the sixth game. And when he ultimately got stopped, but that's kind of Tank Davis is. He's a slow starter. Mm-hmm. He waits you out, but then... From what I've, I wasn't there, but from what I was watching and from when the broadcasters were saying, it, like there was a lot of tension in the crowd. So it there was. Because there's two punchers going up against each other. So it was almost like quiet in there. It was. And just waiting for that bomb to be detonated, and it did via Tank's left hand. What was that like when he landed that? It kind of came out of nowhere, but then it was just like, that's what boxing is. It's like all this build up to the main event, we get the fight, and then it could end in a second. And well, then you're like, what? What just happened? You know, the, a fr- uh, the friend of mine that I went with, um, you know, he's like really into boxing, always to a lot of events. And he was, you know, I think it was in the fourth round where it was like he was sitting down and uh, Tank was sitting down and he was like kind of like smiling at the crowd yeah. and like looking around. I think that had showed his mom and he was like looking around. And then everybody was, uh, he was telling me, he's like, I don't know, man. Tank doesn't look like he's focused. He looks like he's like, I'm like, really? I think he's like, he feels like he has him right where he wants him yeah. a little bit. Lulled him to sleep. Bro, 
And I just wanted one more round. Yeah. Well, you know why. Because the parlay would have yeah, hit. I had, yeah, I had Tank 7 through 12. I had Lara 1 through 6. So both of them came. One, the Lara uh, knockout came in the 8th, and then the Tank yes. knockout came in, in the 6th. But good experience, yes. right? Fun experience. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. The, the funny thing is just that, they, you know, he had him kind of like on the ropes. And then all you see is a real quick left that boom. boom. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Roly came running in. Uh, like people thought was going to happen. He came in wide. And yeah. Tank made him pay for it. Tank's one of the be- uh, uh, biggest power in the lightweight division for sure. Um, you know, being a casual fan, what are some fights that you want to see in, in the horizon? Well, uh, I definitely want to horizon. I, I definitely want to see Ryan Garcia. Yeah. And I want to see Tank fight. I don't know where that fight would be. I don't know if it would be in Barclays or if it would be in Vegas. Probably either Vegas or L.A. is my guess. Okay. I mean, that's a long ways away. Like, <laughs> getting them yeah. to get in the ring, it's just it's been taking well, forever. Well, it's funny because in the, in the post-fight press conference, um, Tank was like, I think if you get knocked out like that, yeah. you don't deserve. I mean, that was funny. I, I, I love watching what he was yeah, saying. Yeah, because Roley wants a rematch. Of Roley, he he's crazy. He said he won every round. He's not gonna get a rematch, but I agree. Yeah. Ryan Garcia Tank is a, a big fight. How about uh, heavyweight division? Who do you like in the heavyweight division? Um, I don't really, I don't really know anybody right you, now. You like the... Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder? Well, you you told me, you know, probably like Deontay Wilder is probably like trying to sail off a little. Well, bit. Well, you said um, he wants to come back. He so. wants to come back. Yeah, I don't know. He's not gonna fight Fury again because they already had their trilogy. But there's a lot of glock going on. I like seeing Fury fight. I yeah. like seeing Fury fight. Yeah, um, Canelo was in, in, in the. In I want to see some Canelo. Um, what's what's going on with uh, um, what's going on with Danny Garcia? Danny Garcia hasn't fought since December 2020 when he fought. Uh, is he like done? Is he? Did he's he made a lot of money in his career. He was one of the a guy that fought the Barclays the most. I think he has like seven or eight or six or seven mm-hmm. main events. He made a boatload of money. Um, he's fought every big name. He's fought every welterweight he probably uh, feels outside of Terrence Crawford. He might go to 154. He might go up a weight class. Uh, he's talked about that. But, yeah, Danny Garcia, um, a guy that spent a lot of time at welterweight and now he's looking for – he made it like a boatload of money. Like I did see a couple – 30 of, million probably. I did see a couple of boxers there. Um, some of them I knew their name, and then uh, my friend actually told me, oh, no, nah, you know, this guy, you know, he's like a, another guy that's about to come up. Let me see if I can show you him real quick. Um, oh, him. Demetrius Andrade. Yes. So Boo Boo Andrade, one of the most avoided fighters in boxing. A guy – that's the guy that Canelo said, you know, get the fuck out of here, man. Okay. Payday. That he's taking a hit because he crashed Canelo's presser because he's been chasing Canelo for like three years. And uh, uh, yeah, that's um, what's his name, uh, J Rock. He J-Rock said he got a fight coming up, right? Yeah, he does. He got he he got knocked out by Charlo, okay, a few years back. Um, yeah, uh, but that's what's going on, man. Yeah. Uh, we got to get you to a Vegas fight. Oh man, um, I want to bring everyone. I want to bring Jimmy, Jake, John Boy. I want to bring them all to a Vegas fight and show them like how it really is because when you go to a Vegas fight, it's like four days. Uh, it's like an experience, you know, Radio Row, you got, uh, you know, the weigh-in is an event, and then there's just so much content, and just like, it's it's a it's a full, it's like a festival. Yeah. It's like a Super Bowl. It did it did feel like a, a whole event. It felt like a whole fashion party yeah, exactly. event. Yeah. It felt like, hey, the who's who is here. Yep. It felt like, you know, you you wanted to be in that building that night. Mm-hmm. That's know? what it is. It's a Super Bowl. That's awesome. Just like. Individual Super Bowls, and there are some big ones coming up. Joe's, thank you for your time. Joe's goes to Barclays Center. A raging success. We meet another boxing fan here. Yes. That's John Boy. Good job. Thank you. Let's bring in our guest this week, Rob Tebbett, longtime boxing journalist, uh, pound for pound, best follow on boxing Twitter, dad race winner, English breakfast connoisseur. There's probably so many more late night boxing, early morning boxing enjoyer. I think I uh, summed them all up, right, Ram? I think that's about right. Although you're paying it fast and loose with the word enjoyer of the late nights <laughs> and early mornings because it's not always that enjoyable, Dan, believe it or not. But no, thanks very much for having me. Always good to catch up with you. Uh, good to see you doing so well over at John Boy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, what's the time difference between UK and Australia? What time are we getting up to watch uh, Cambosos Haney? I think it's like 13 hours ahead. Um, so, but I'm correct in saying that top rank of um, we're going to align for a US, a US uh, favorable US slot. Um, so I think uh, 
my fear is that it's going to still be quite late for it's going to be quite late for america which means it's going to be like 7 8 a.m over here i think um, yeah, I, I read somewhere it's starting i think it's beginning at 7 p.m eastern which is really early for u.s time um but I've also read that there's not going to be a where they're going to go up against each other. Like Haney Cambosos is not going to go up against Fulton Roman. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the same as like a Taylor Serrano and Secor Stevenson Valdez, but you know, it's still, still good for fans, but we'll, we'll touch on that uh, in a little bit. Let's talk about what we saw this past weekend. Javante Davis moves the needle like no other in boxing right now. One of the best ticket sellers, one of the best stars, uh, one of the best punchers. So, therefore, when he fights, there is a lot to talk about afterwards. Uh, first, let's go to the fight. A meticulous, a very monotonous pace was set between these two fighters. Gerontha Davis threw 15 punches around. Uh, Roly uh, Romero wasn't, uh, you know, <laughs> burning it up either. Uh, he was under 20 as well. Gerontha Davis lands 25 punches in a round, but it's that 25th punch, Rob. It's one that all that matters, that left hook, that flattened. Roly Romero, you kind of washes away what was not the best, most aesthetically pleasing fight, but fans walk away uh, at either at Barclays or watching at home with another highlight reel knockout for Tank Davis. Yeah, and, and you make a good point there. That's what people ultimately remember. People won't remember the five and a half rounds or so that, um, that elapsed before the knockout or almost six rounds before the knockout. I felt like it was always coming. I mean, uh, I, I kind of like everybody does, you kind of get caught up in the, the fight week hyperbole and the hype and what have you. Uh, Roly is what he is. He's very entertaining, both in the ring and outside of the ring, whether he's your cup of tea or not. Um, but if you look at what he does in the ring, lunging in on that front foot, way over the front foot, telegraphing his shots, it was a matter of time before Davis walked him into a shot. His movement in the first couple of rounds, Davis, I thought was very good. He was able to control the the real estate without really having to do too much. I think Roley won a, a couple of rounds, um, maybe two or three rounds, depending on how you like it. But he was never in any danger of winning the fight. Um, Davis in the fifth round started to let his hands go a little bit more, uh, bringing that left hand into play down the pipe. And then the sixth round, it happened. And it's kind of what everybody expected to happen. Uh, Roley coming in through one big telegraph right hand, uh, Davis caught it. And then the second one was exactly the same shot, crossed his feet, chin came up in the air, and that was all she wrote. So, look, I mean, it's it's, it's not going to go down as a great fight. I don't think anybody there's ever any danger of that. But, yeah, people will remember the highlight reel knockout. Um, Davis didn't waste any shots throughout. I felt like he knew that it was just a matter of time, and so it proved to be. So, yeah, unfortunately, I, you know, I feel like we do say this after quite a few Davis fights. Um, we didn't really learn an awful lot more about Javante, Davis than we than we already knew beforehand, but you know he did his job and he did it in spectacular fashion. Admittedly, um, it took five and a half rounds to get there, but still, uh, very. I, I was very impressed with the finish, and to be fair, the the way in which he controlled the fight up to that without right. ever really having to do too much, I felt like he was in control of the fight the whole time. Yeah, that pressure without throwing punches is something that only a handful of fighters can do. It's very risky. You know, I've been saying this for a while now. It's that Canelo style. You're walking a tightrope, essentially. You know, Deontay Wilder did it to a, a lesser degree. Uh, Jamel Charlo does it. It's low volume. It's high accuracy. It's game-changing power. Uh, but if you are not letting your hands go, if you're not able to find your opponent, if you're, the power shots aren't landing, not saying that's the case for Javante, for you will lose rounds off of sheer inactivity. Javante Davis lost rounds early in that fight, not because he was being outboxed, because he simply wasn't throwing punches. I mean, that's fine if you believe that you can catch your opponent. Um, will it be the case if he fights a Devin Haney or will it be the case of a George Cambosos or he faces an upper echelon type of fighter in the lightweight division? That remains to be seen. I think that goes to your point of we did not learn a lot about Javante Davis besides that he has game-changing power. Not everyone in the lightweight division has that one knockout power. Will he, will he be able to find those opponents? I'll throw in a Shakur Stevenson uh as well that's the main question for me and i know it's perceived as hate but it surely is not we, we are analysts we break down fights we want to see what's next we always go to what's next so in my mind i'm like all right can javante davis fight like this uh you know 15 punches around even against you know barrios it was 17 punches around to the first four rounds he is not an, an a volume puncher but he can knock your lights out can he fight like this rob against top talent in the lightweight division 
Well, that's the big question. And just to go back on what you've said there, I mean, I, I feel like Javante has become one of the most difficult fighters to discuss, certainly yes. in our, in it's our like kind walking of, through landmines. Yeah, in our little bubble of uh, of boxing Twitter, especially. Look, I'm a I'm a unashamedly a massive Javante Davis fan. Um, uh, for all of his shortcomings that people look at with regards to the matching, I'm a massive fan of his. And the fact that I want to see him in with Shakur Stevenson, with Ryan Garcia, with Devin Haney, Teofimo mm. Lopez, all those guys is a compliment, in my opinion, to, to his ability. Like, you can't question the way in which they've built him into a huge attraction. It is, it's commendable. It's fantastic. But me as the, the pure boxing fan, I really want to see him tested against those guys. And I, I don't know, Dan. I don't know if there's any guys out there that I would that I would hand on heart definitely pick to beat him. I think he's a very special talent. I think a lot of trainers and, and people who I come into contact with all say the same thing about mm -hmm. Davis. He's a very, very talented guy. And, you know, they're, they're people who have got a much keener eye for the sport than I have. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like similarly to Canelo, he's sort of mastered the art of, of, of just being comfortable in the ring. You never really see Davis rushed. I think the closest we saw to that was probably the Isak Cruz fight. Mm -hmm. Um but he always seems to make time for himself and he knows just when to turn it up. I mean, he said in the post-fight press conference at the weekend that somebody was shouting from the crowd, you know, step to him now. And he was saying, no, no, not yet, not yet. I think it was Ryan Garcia. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, he's he's developed that kind of sense of knowing when to put the foot down. Um, the Barrios fight, obviously up, his, up at 140 for the first time. I think part of that would have been him testing the waters and just having a look for those first early rounds. I think with Roley, he just knew that there would come a time where he would, cross his legs, keep his chin up in the air, and he would take him out. And that's mm -hmm. what we saw. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love him to, to box. There's probably 10 names, I reckon, that I would like to see Davis box. But uh, I mentioned this on Twitter, and I know that you're a big fan of the fight as well. If it can be made, there's something about that Javante Davis, Ryan Garcia blend that just really does it for me. It really like when when uh, Ryan went on uh, hot boxing with Mike Tyson and that two week window where they were talking about it before Ryan went on and started talking about Pacquiao and this right. and that. Uh, that was brilliant. Like it was intoxicating the whole timeline and all everybody in boxing was talking about that. You've got two really charismatic, sellable, marketable mm -hmm. characters who can fight, who can sell fights, and, and, and to a wider audience. Um, that to me is a, is a really really big fight. Um, but look, I think, I think Davis is is a is a wonderful talent. We just need to see him. I mean, he's, right. he's speaking about wanting to get the winner of Haney versus Cambosa, so I would make him a favorite against whoever wins that fight. Um, but I would just like to see them now. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's like a discussion. It's like getting to a point where it's the same discussion almost every time about Davis, uh, at least to uh, rational boxing minds. And I, I agree with you to a. Uh, uh, with some of the points that you made, it's like, I want to place Javante Davis in the top. I don't make pound for pound list, but if I did, I would, I want to place him in that list. I want to have him. I want to erase this. If I want to erase that, if, because I believe he is one of the best fighters in boxing today, but how do we properly gauge fighters? It's the only way we can is them inside the ring with other top talent. I believe Javante Davis wants these fights. I believe every fighter wants to test themselves against the very best, but we, as we know, as you follow the sport, there are politics involved, uh, you know, whether it's Leonard Ellerby and Floyd Mayweather admitting it out loud that we're going to keep it in-house. The in-house options are running out. I don't want to see an Isaac Cruz rematch. I don't want to see a Michael Rivera. I would uh, maybe kind of, but that's not what I want to see next. I want to see the big names. Uh, he's not going to get Haney Campbell. So they're going to be tied up uh, for at least the next year. You take a look around at the, the picture and not many options at PBC. The, the, the fight is Ryan Garcia. I know I've been saying the same thing. It's, it's a lot of fans agree that they want to see it. I had uh, Steven Espinosa on the show last week. And he painted a pretty grim picture. Uh, they don't want to work with the zone. They don't believe the zone offers anything, even despite the zone offering pay-per-view now. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't make sense as a joint pay-per-view. I don't know. Maybe it does. You know, the, the gate could, I could see the gate going anywhere between eight and, and 10 million. That's nothing. That's not nothing. You know, it's something, but you're right. This is the fight uh, that could transcend the sport. You know, I work at John Boy Media. It is a baseball, it is a uh, baseball company uh, full of young kids. They know who Javante Davis is and they know who Ryan Garcia is. When he came, Ryan, Ryan Garcia came through the office. They were excited. They knew exactly who he was. I didn't have to give a big intro. Hey, this is Ryan Garcia. He's a professional boxer. They knew exactly who he was. They knew Tank. When I went into work yesterday, everyone saw the knockout, whether it was on social media or they, they ordered the fight. Those two need to fight. Uh, with everyone else in the lightweight division all tied up, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense, Rob. Uh, so much that, It makes so much sense that it probably won't happen. 
Yeah, it certainly does. And just to, um, to touch on what you've said there about Stephen Espinosa, look, if I'm Stephen Espinosa and I'm in his position, and it's important to, to point out here as well that, you know, while we're seeing Devin Haney this weekend against George Cambosos, you know, criticisms can be leveled at, at various other fighters in and around between 130 and 147 about, you know, not everybody's always fighting the top. Yeah, fight. I agree. Get that. Um, and yeah, if I'm Steven Espinosa, I probably feel the same way, to be honest. Um, I personally don't see that fight. I mean, if you look at the fights that have been big enough to make those crossover or those joint pay-per-views, you've got Holyfield versus, uh, Holyfield, you've got Lewis versus Tyson, mm -hmm. you've got Mayweather versus Pacquiao, you've got Wilder Fury 2, right. uh, I think the third as well. Um, I don't see it really being in that bracket. And if you're mm -hmm. Javante Davis and, and you know, you've sold pay-per-views, I don't know how much you've sold, you've still done it. You've carried pay-per-views and Ryan Garcia has yet to do that. You can see why they, I mean, I'm sure they could do a deal, but it would have to be a deal that's favored in Javante Davis, the proven kind of pay-per-view commodity and entities in his favor. So whether or not a deal can be done on those terms, I agree with you, probably not. Uh, but <laughs> it is the fight that I would, I would very much like to see. And it probably has less of the, promotional red tape maybe only fractionally than some of the other fights that can be made at 135 so yeah uh, i think rob the only thing it comes down to is whether um Toronto davis straight up leave fully leaves like leaves showtime leaves mayweather uh leaves pbc behind i don't see that no. happening maybe he'll erase mayweather promotions from the equation and then he you know just inserts his promotional company sticks with Al Heyman, stays on Showtime. They are investing in in, in, in Javante Davis Showtime. That's one thing Espinosa did tell me. They will throw him a massive bag for him to stay on Showtime. That is the only way I could see this happening is if it goes, it has to be on one platform. Uh, and the Zone's new deal with Golden Boy pretty much uh, puts out the close where uh, they're going to allow their marquee fighter, uh, who is Ryan Garcia, take a look at the Golden Boy roster, uh, and what's going on with the zone, especially over here in, in the U.S. He is one of their marquee guys. He is not fighting on Showtime exclusively. They're going to try to get a piece of that, uh, but it remains to be seen how that will all shake out. Before we go on to the big fights this weekend, putting a bow on the Javante Davis conversation, Rob, Javante Davis should fight blank next. I think I know your answer, but he will fight blank next. Uh, yeah, I mean, he should fight Ryan Garcia. On Showtime pay-per-view. Sorry, Oscar. Uh, <laughs> we don't have a dog in the race. I don't care where it ends. Oh, I just want to watch it. Uh, and then who will he for? Ah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Um, oh, it's it's really difficult. I mean, you could say like sort of Isak Cruz or Michelle Rivera, right? But that's my guess is Michelle Rivera or um, whoever you not pronounce this guy's name. Is it Michelle? Is it Michael? Uh, the Ali lookalike or yeah. uh, yeah. Isak Cruz too. I mean, who else? What are the other options out there? There's not an awful lot. Um, obviously, we've just seen Chris Colbert get beat. Um, that could have potentially been something that they made um, with him moving up to 135. Uh, yeah, I think it's got to be one of those two, really. Isak Cruz, Michelle Rivera. Um, could we see him jump up to welterweight? I don't know. Do, do something crazy and go fight Keith Thurman. Who knows? Um, well, you, one thing I will say is that Sean Porter sparred with Javante Davis and said he has massive power. He said this guy could fight at 147 if he really if he was if he was matched properly. And PBC has shown that they will do some outside of the box things, whether it's put a pay per view between two guys coming off a loss. Or, you know, have guys jumping up multiple divisions. Like a and that's something I think Thurman would go for because I don't think he has any interest in boots. I don't think he has any interest in a Connor Ben. I don't think he's, he only has interest in big U.S. fights. And a Javante Davis-Thurman fight, whether, you know, albeit very unlikely, is, eh, I'll give it like a 30% chance. Well, okay, how about Javante Davis versus Adrian Broner at 154? <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> take my money. Literally take my money and and just it would be a fight where they would throw maybe you know 15 punches total per round. But to see Broner uh to finally get knocked out, he's never been knocked out in a fight, been knocked down plenty. I mean, that would be interesting. Yeah, but the, the main takeaway is that there isn't a lot of options for yeah. Javante Davis on if he stays status quo. Uh, with his promotional outfit and and all that, but it's in, it's intriguing. Lightweight division, I feel like 
it's been moving at a very slow pace, but now it's going to start to pick up this weekend. Australia down under the big one. I'm very excited for this fight. I know you are as well. George Cambosos, Devin Haney. Let's go. I mean, the, I've been watching a lot of these clips, whether it's Cambosos and his uh, his tactical. They're not even calling it trash talk, Rob. They're calling it like tactical mind games, whether he's calling him an informant calling him a rat, uh, you know, giving his whole speeches, Devin Haney on, on his side, not having his father, not having Ben Davison, you know, taking this perceived pay cut, uh, leaving his promoter. There are storylines galore, but I do think this will be a very tactical fight uh, inside of the ring. What is your excitement level for this undisputed lightweight championship fight? Yeah, I mean, I'm very, very excited by it. I think there's there's questions on both sides for me with both George Cambosos and Devin Haney. You mentioned there about Devin Haney's training setup, the fact that he had to leave America late. This is not traveling to the East Coast. This isn't traveling to mm -hmm. the UK even. This is a long way away. And you're not going, you are very much going into enemy territory. When like I'm an Englishman, we English the English and the Aussies over the years, we've had our we've had our sporting jewels, and you know, there's a lot of history between the two countries. If you go over to Australia and you are the the B side or you're the visiting team, they don't like you very much. It's gonna be a very, very raucous atmosphere. Cambosos has done a very good job. Look, I mean, a lot of people are kind of sick of him i guess so you see on, on the timeline people are a little bit tired of his keys and what it's have you weird but... it's funny it, it's a completely switch he's like gone during the tfimo it was like all right this guy is fresh he's he's getting on tfimo's skin but now he's kind of morphed somewhat into tfimo lopez yeah he's he's really gone at it look i think it's still great for the sport i'd much rather see somebody kind of go too far than not go far enough sure. I mean, it is boxing after all um but the one thing is, is that the Aussies will love that. The Aussies will be bang up behind him. They're very aggressive, very kind of, sort of take you head on. That's kind of the Australian sport in mantra. And it's going to be a hard fight for Devin Haney. I feel like if it was in, a, even in neutral territory, I still feel that we've not, you know, Devin, I think is a very good all-round fighter. I don't think there's anything that he does exceptionally well. I think he gets hit a little too much for somebody who's kind of renowned as a, a you know, defensively astute master mm -hmm. boxer. Um, and Cambosos is going to be absolutely firing on all cylinders. He's going to have the, the support behind him. He's going to be riding the crest of the wave after the Tiafimo Lopez fight. But there is the question of how good is he? His wins over Lee Selby, who's a blown up featherweight, not at his best weight at all at lightweight. Um, Tiafimo Lopez, by all accounts, you know, wasn't, let's say, living the best life in, in, in the build up to that fight. How good is Cambosos? Was it just his night? Every fighter gets one. Will Devin Haney go over there and just kind of get behind the jab, settle into a rhythm and make it an easy fight. I feel like Haney in the first three or four rounds will look very sharp. And then it's what happens after that, because yeah. I feel like Cambosos will be looking over at him and thinking, you're going to be good for three or four rounds. And then after that, and I get hold of you, I'm going to go to work. And I feel like Cambosos riding on the crest of that momentum, that Spartan warrior mentality. Like Tiafimo Lopez wasn't, you know, wasn't at his best, should we say, but, Cambosos had to walk through fire to right. win that fight. He, right. he had to take a lot of big shots early. He got dropped late in the fight. He carried on. He come back and he won the last two rounds and finished strong. He's going to feel like he's invincible. He's going to have the home crowd behind him. And yeah, Devin, when it gets hard in those six, seven, eight rounds, I know he debuted when he was in, in Mexico when he was young. This mm -hmm. is different. Way you know, different. You're, going, you're going in with a guy when you're when you're 16 years old in Mexico. You're supposed to be. I mean, I'm there sure. 200 people in those. Are you talking about? Yeah. There's 200 people in those smokers in in those fights. There's 50,000 Australians here. Yeah. They all want to see you get knocked out. So look, I think Haney is, has always shown a very good head on his shoulders. He's always been very mature. Um, in, in, in the times that I've spoken to him, I know you would have spoken to him uh, numerous times over the years. He's always come across as a very level-headed, kind of unfazed character. But you take away Bill Haney out of the corner. You take Ben Davison away. Of course, he's, he's no longer working with Mickey Bay. Mickey Bay's not gone out. It's Yoel Judah, who I know is, is obviously very close to him personally, but I'm not sure that Yoel has, has ever cornered him in a fight or certainly been the lead trainer in a fight. I know Devin would work with uh, Manny Robles and work with other trainers in the past. Mm -hmm. I think that that's potentially something that's that's I wouldn't say a positive, but the fact that he's used to kind of having right. he's used around. to having a lot of different voices. You yeah, know, whether it's bringing in a Ben Davison, Mike McCallum came in to help work on yeah. body work. They have a lot of voices, but not having your dad there is a big, big time uh, disadvantage for him. Whether it's just from a mental standpoint, you know, he's across the world. I know where these guys we, they think they're robots, but they are human beings. You know, not having your dad there from a 
just a personal aspect is a big thing, uh, given how close they are. Not having him in his corner is massive for why we'll be watching and what we care about is the actual fight. Same thing with not having Ben Davis in there. You know, going to Yoel Judah, who has been in some big fights, but they are a long time ago. I mean, <laughs> and you said not 50,000 people. And going back to the 50,000, you know, I see this working uh, two ways. You know, is it is Cambosos has never fought in front of a crowd like this. He's barely ever he has his last I think his last Australian fight was like 2018 or even maybe even before that. It's who is going to use that crowd to their advantage. Is Cambosos going to feel the moment? Is it going to be too much for him? Is he going to want to go out there and take it to Haney? If he does take it to Haney, Rob, I feel like that kind of feeds right into what Haney wants. I feel like Haney's yeah. a great counterpuncher. Uh, you know, he is, does get hit, but he is defensively sound for the most part, has a really good jab. Uh, he can negate a lot of Cambosos's uh, aggression in, in this fight. And Cambosos is the more aggressive fighter. He throws against Tiafimo, he threw something like 60 punches per round. That's pretty good pace uh, for a lightweight. Haney is well below that. Haney's in the, in the low 40s. We know the type of style Haney's going to fight. He's going to go in there and look to jab. He's going to go in there and look to pick his shots. Uh, uh, but if it comes down to it, and, you know, going back to your point, the second half of this fight, if it comes down to it where Haney has to step on the gas pedal, you know, Haney's got to win the last two out of three rounds or the last three out of four rounds. Will, does he have enough offense? That's the question for me. I mean, I know that Cambosos, that one thing jumps off the page for either guy, really. But I believe when push comes to shove, uh, Cambosos can find something offensively that maybe Haney can't in the later rounds. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. And I also feel like, I feel like the rounds are going to be close as well because I, I don't, I, I think it's quite, I think it's quite obvious to see what we're going to see from both fighters. As you mentioned there, we're going to see Haney try and get behind the jab, try and set it into a rhythm. Cambosa is going to try and apply the pressure. Um, but it's, if Devin needs to win those early rounds convincingly, in my opinion, I think he needs to win those rounds, rubber stamp those rounds. If he can, you know, land a sharp right hand. He's not the, we all know that Devin's not, you know, he's not Javante Davis. He's not known as a massive puncher, but he's a sharp puncher. He's got good mm -hmm. timing, good shot selection. If he can make an impression on Cambosos early and just try and slow the momentum and don't let him walk you down. Um, I felt like Haney against Jojo Diaz, who's obviously a very good fighter, but naturally smaller for the first three or four rounds, looked nice and good, kept the long jab, but after that was giving up too much ground. I don't feel like he can give up too much ground against George Cambosos. One of the things as well that I'm intrigued by is the weight as well. We've heard about Devin having to move up. I mean, he first told me about moving up two and a half years ago. Right. He is a big boy for lightweight. He's got a, like, always say to people, he's got a tiny waist and a big head, which <laughs> means that he's just, he, he's boiled himself down. Look, he lives the life. You know, he does it properly. He's, he, he's never- You see all his food pics on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, <laughs> always in, he's always in good nick. You never see him like we've seen Broner in the past or Davis in right, the Right, doesn't blow up in between fights. No, no, no. Um, so, but doing the weight in a foreign country, and again, not it's not Europe or Canada or Mexico you're going to here. We've seen fighters who have traveled and they're in unfamiliar surroundings are not able to get access to, look, we all know about it, saunas, hot baths, things like that, the way you're able to make the weight properly. Where you've grown accustomed to doing these things for however many years in America, you may not be able to do the same things in Australia. And this happens at the top level. I'm not going to name any names, but I know it happened with, with a British fighter who challenged for a world title um, in 2021. And he had to take off an extraordinary amount of weight the day before the weigh-in, whereas if he was in the UK, he wouldn't right. have had to do that. And that was because it's unfamiliar surroundings. And, you know, the Aussies ain't going to make it easy for him. Oh, no, I mean, take a look at it already, Rob. There's so much is stacked against Haney right now. Uh, I know there's like this conspiracy theory, like, oh, this gamesmanship with not letting Bill Haney in. No, 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 no. These are strict, strict laws that have been in place for a very long time. There are many notable uh, celebrities, athletes uh, all over the world that cannot enter uh, Australia. But there is a lot stacked against Haney. Just the fact that he's fighting overseas, uh, the fact that he wins – He's got to fight again against George Cambosos. The fact that we've seen a lot of, I'm going to use the word that I don't really throw around too often, robberies. We've seen uh, Jeff Horn get a decision over Pacquiao. I hope you're not a, a Jeff Horn truther. But <laughs> but there have, we've seen it. I mean, you got to go in there and you have to win decisive rounds. I agree with you. You have to win decisive rounds. And, and can Haney win decisive rounds? He's a guy that's never really done anything decisively uh, over his last like four or five fights when he's uh, beefed up uh, the competition, man. I, I would go into this thinking Haney's going to win, but after this conversation, 
you know, I'm thinking about putting a few uh, dollars on Cambosos, who is the underdog as of right now on DraftKings. He is plus 140. I know you're a betting man, Rob. Are you going to throw some some money on this? Take a look at these lines. It's crazy to see Cambosos uh, as the underdog. Yeah, I'll be I'll be betting Cambosos. Um, I think on paper, I this isn't my way of kind of trying to back out of uh, of making a pick. On paper, Haney <laughs> probably should win the fight, but fights aren't fought on paper, right. and it's. All of these intangibles, and look, I, I try not to, to judge a fight on that or predict a fight on that. Try and just look at what we've seen from them in the ring. But even like what we've seen from them in the ring implies a closer fight than I think what we're seeing at the bookies. And then also you take in those other uh, those other outdoor factors or the, those outside factors about not having the training camp in there and the, the training team in there, being in Australia. You know, I, I think it's a 50-50 fight. And because I think it's a 50-50 fight or a 55 45 fight mm -hmm. either way and you look at the bookies you, you know you you bet against the house and i feel like they're, they're being quite generous on cambosos um and yeah i just i think you, you, what you said there's right we've not seen like haney against diaz like diaz is a good fighter but he's not a lightweight mm -hmm. and he had his moments in that fight and, and he had he had his moments where he looked like he got a reaction out of haney and again cambosos is not a murderous puncher but he's a natural lightweight he's going to be full of confidence and he's going to be looking at Haney and thinking that he can get to him in the second half of the fight. So yeah, Linares, I mean, Linares had his moments late in the fight. Uh, Haney wasn't able to stop Linares, didn't really hurt Linares at all in the fight. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the fight goes long. I can't really see a stoppage either way. I have yeah. to say. Um, and if it goes long and Cambosos wins, let's say Haney wins four of the first six rounds and Cambosos wins three of the last six and you're kind of seven, five Haney each way. But if, if Cambosos closes strong, which I would fully expect him to do under the circumstances, it's going to be close on the cards. And if it's close on the cards and you've got 50,000 people cheering for one guy, whenever he's yeah. hitting gloves and missing and nobody doing anything when Haney's landing, that's why he needs to put clear distance between him and Cambosos in those rounds, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, I agree. That distance. Plus sixteen hundred for the draw. Not a bad shout at all. Considering not a bad shout. Not a bad shout at all. Let's get over to Fulton and Roman. It is a big fight in uh, the bantamweight division. Or excuse me, super bantamweight. One eighteen. Oh, excuse me, one twenty-two. I get uh, mixed up with those 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 uh, smaller weights. But Fulton, uh, this is a big fight now. Daniel Roman, a former unified champion. Uh, Fulton is a guy that I saw we've been tracking for years and he was a modest puncher, you know, a modest work rate, 14 of 50, uh, for his, uh, six fights before he fought Angelo Leo. And then I guess Angelo Leo, he steps it up and he throws 30 of a hundred Rob. He goes from a guy that was throwing 50 punches around to a hundred punches around. We saw what he did against Figueroa. He's turned himself into a volume puncher, and that's how you have to win uh, at these lower weights. Daniel Ramon, also a volume puncher, 70 punches around, has the acumen a little long in the tooth, especially for that uh, weight class, 32 years old. Roman been in some, in some big fights. I just see this one playing out, and uh, Stephen Fulton is a name that could arrive on some pound-for-pound -pound list too, should he be victorious. Yeah, I think there's almost no way that that's not going to be a great fight. I, I can't really see how that fight doesn't perform. Uh, I think Danny Roman, you mentioned there, he's boxed at the top level for a long time. He's been in some great fights. The fight with MJ Akhmedaliev was very, very close. Some people felt that that Danny Roman should have got the nod in that in that fight. Um, Fulton, his last fight against Brandon Figueroa was a very close fight. A lot of people felt that Brandon Figueroa maybe could have got the decision there. Figueroa, obviously massive at the weight, throws a lot of punches, uh, was able to kind of in, impose himself physically on, on Stephen Fulton in the second half of the fight but Fulton kind of doing what he does catching and countering and finding these little shots on the inside I think ultimately edged it for him and I expect a similar pattern of the fight against Danny Roman I expect Danny Roman to, to come forward and try and apply the pressure and I feel like Fulton while I while I agree with against Angelo Leo when he was throwing a lot of punches he looked sensational in that fight he kind of did everything front foot back foot counter punch mm -hmm. leading. he did, did a bit of but I think against Figueroa and against Roman this weekend, we're going to see more of that catch encounter, trying to break him up on the inside and try and land those clean, effective punches. But yeah, I think Fulton's a great fighter. He's my style of fighter, that, you know, shoulder roll, catch encounter on the inside. Um, he's my type of fighter. But yeah, I can't see anything other than a great fight. I think Fulton will win a close, close decision in mm -hmm. a really, really good fight. But yeah, Danny Roman can really bring it. It wouldn't surprise me massively if Roman's able to get the win.
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with what you said there. Like Fulton has seen um, this pressure style before in Figueroa. I think that bodes well for him. Uh, Roman brings it. Except, like I said, 70 punches around. Figueroa is like 90 punches around. So Fulton probably made a decision that I can't live with 50 around. I don't have game-changing power, so I got to up the volume. And Fulton's a guy, if he wins this fight, you know, Canelo Alvarez, you know, didn't go on that run last year. And if Fulton, uh, you know, wins this fight here with Romama, talking about a three-fight a three fight stretch of beating an Angelo Leo, beating a Figueroa, beating a, a Daniel Roman. I know he wants Akpadalia. I mean, these are big fights for Stephen Fulton. All these lower weights don't get a ton of attention. Uh, this fight is getting a little bit swallowed up by George Cambosos, Devin Haney, and the Javante Davis talk, and some of the bigger fights we're seeing uh, down the road. Uh, but it's still a big fight. It's still a fun fight. It's a purist type of fight. It's going to be on Showtime. I, I like this fight. And maybe Fulton, if he doesn't get um, Aquadalia, which is going to be a tough fight to make. We just talked about how, you know, these zone fighters aren't appearing on Showtime and, and vice versa. I know Fulton wants that fight. If he should he be victorious against Roman, he wants that unification bout. But maybe he jumps up. You know, maybe he goes up or maybe, you know, uh, a fight with Inouye uh, could happen with, with Fulton. There's a lot going on these lower weights and something to keep an eye on. Before we let you go, Rob, I want to talk about Anthony Joshua, trainer change. He's now brought in Robert Garcia. Uh, I've talked about this at length. You know, the, the jab first, almost to a fault of Anthony Joshua since the Klitschko fight. 70% of his thrown punches, Anthony Joshua, are jabs. Jab is a great tool to have in boxing, but it's clearly not working for Joshua uh, as of late. What can Robert Garcia do? Do you think this is the right move? And do you think it makes uh, a difference in the rematch with Usyk? I think it's... It, it, it's tough because, you know, you kind of think, okay, Joshua needs to be more aggressive. He needs to use more of his physical attributes and, and impose himself on Alexander Usyk. Let's get him an aggressive trainer. But you've mentioned there, and I know I know from watching uh, your work and stuff that you've done in the past, of Anthony Joshua's kind of psychological switch post-Vladimir Klitschko, where he became more of a jab fighter. To have that kind of creep, not creep into your game, but to mould yourself. And, and, you know, fighters develop certainly heavyweights over the years, particularly on the back of losses or, or fights and where they get hurt, like the Klitschko fight. You know, they develop and they change over time implementing that and becoming even against Kubrat Pulev and obviously the Andy Ruiz rematch and the first Usyk fight, he's become more of a boxer, more of a thinking fighter to go from that to Robert Garcia. That's, a, that's quite a change. Uh, the fight's going to be pushed back to, to kind of mid to late August. So he's got a little bit more time to work with him, but I can't imagine. And my thought has been the same, whether it was Robert Garcia Virgil Hunter, Ronnie Shields, or whoever he went with. Teddy Atlas was being floated around. Teddy Atlas, yeah. Oh, give me a break. Uh, give me a break. I just can't imagine making such a massive change and going mm. into such a dangerous fight against right. such a skilled fighter. I think I would have liked to have seen Joshua box an Otto Wallin or somebody like that. A Southpaw, okay, he's not Usyk, but he's a Southpaw. You can get used to it. He, he knows Otto Wallin. He's, you know, he, he boxed him in the amateurs. He's had him around camp a few times just to work on certain things. I mean, Robert is, is an offensive fighter. He's a catch and counter on the inside combination punches, Mexican style. We haven't seen that. We've never seen Anthony Joshua box like that. Never. When people talk about Anthony Joshua being kind of a more aggressive fighter, that's fine. But he's always been this, an aggressive mid-range counter puncher. He's never been, a you know, go and let his hands go and just pulverize guys. He's always operated behind the jab, draw the lead. And then the big right hand or the big mm -hmm. uppercut on the inside is, is where he gets his work done. So it's a risk, but, you know... It, it is obviously a risk that that Anthony Joshua and his team have felt was worth taking. Um, but to go from from Rob McCracken and, and the development or the, the kind of AJ 2.0 post Vladimir Klitschko to go to um, a very offensive minded coach and Robert Garcia, while on the surface of things yeah. may look like what we needed. Maybe it'll be more of a blend, Rob. But then you know, the, having a jab is good. You know, throwing a you have a great you have a great jab. That's a great thing in the heavyweight division. Vladimir Klitschko ruled the division with a jab for ten years. But he usually he had that that followed it up with the right hand and he, and he found the mark or willing to trade more. If Robert Garcia could take a look at it and say, all right, you have a really good jab. But, you know, where is that AJ that we saw before Klitschko? Albeit he was fighting, you know, these are the first 10, 15 fights of your career. And it's not like now where you're fighting, you know, you know top talent out of the gate. And these were guys that he was made made to order. I mean, these are guys that he was taking out. 
So I'm interested to see if there can be that, if you can implement, uh, Robert Garcia can implement more of a blending style where it's not so drastic, where it's not AJ, you know, throwing 70% jabs, maybe you know, down to 55%, which is a more healthy balance. Yeah, I, I, my just big concern on the, on the fact, I, mean, I don't really care, I don't have a horse in the race, but if, I, if I'm Anthony Joshua's team, my concern would be doing that and, and trying to make that blend eight weeks out. Or weeks out <laughs> Against the pound for pound, uh, great. Yeah, and this is not a regular fighter that you're in there with. And Alexander Rusek is going to know an awful lot more about Anthony Joshua having fought him and fought him very well for 12 rounds um, back in London. So, yeah, my, my prediction on the fight hasn't changed. Uh, I felt Usyk would win the first fight. I think he'll win the second fight. Um, I said to you on here that Alexander Rusek would win a decision. A prediction piece. So, um, yeah, I, I think... On the surface of things, he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to utilize his physical attributes. But I don't know. I think Usyk, Usyk gets the win again. Intriguing times, my friend. Boxing is alive. I have a shirt that says that. Go buy uh, johnboymedia.com. It, more than ever. I mean, we're getting big fights every week. Spence Crawford looks like it's almost done. Every weekend from here on out, big fights. Uh, I love the sport. I know you do as well. Enjoyed this chat. Let's do it again soon. I hope... Uh, that it's an easy watch for you on Saturday night with Haney and Combosis. And uh, yeah, man, got to get you back on soon. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Uh, thanks very much for having me as always, Dan. Keep up the good work and I look forward to catching up with you soon.